Welcome to Life Beat. I'm your host, Anna Visser, Director of Communications and Education at Right to Life of Michigan. In this week's episode, Chris Gass, the Education Coordinator for Right to Life of Michigan, will be interviewing Reverend Paul Clark. Reverend Paul Clark is the pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Fowler, Michigan, where he founded a local pro-life group within the parish. Reverend Paul Clark's dedication to the pro-life movement has brought him to serve as the pastoral counselor for Lutherans for Life of Greater Lansing, and he has also adopted two children with his wife. He also shares his experiences with the pro-life movement by speaking at many Right to Life of Michigan events throughout the years. Here's our interview, and I hope you enjoy. Pastor Paul Clark, thank you so much for joining us today. It is good to be with you, Chris. Well, uh... A couple of different questions I want to talk to. You have a lot of experience in the pro-life movement, but I thought it'd be good to start with a simple question. Maybe not so simple. Why are you pro-life? Well, um, first of all, I, I think that is just uh, the most essential issue of our day. And it, it, you know, when I was younger, I probably didn't think a lot about these things, and I'm sure. Uh, uh, Sad to say that's probably where a lot of people are, mm. but gradually uh, getting married. Uh, and, you know, I think really what drove it home was our, uh, our struggle with infertility and with uh, not being able to have biological children to, to know how much we wanted children and then to go through the adoption process. Um, it's like we may have considered myself pro-life in a general way before that, mm. but after going through that, it, it drove it home in such a personal way to realize how much we wanted a baby and how many babies' lives were being extinguished each and every day um, and how long that waiting list was just to be able to, to finally have a child. So that certainly made it personal and probably intensified my desire to really be active in the pro-life movement. Uh, so just before I ask you a little bit more about the, you know, going through the adoption process, especially with the infant adoption, can you just tell us a little bit about your church and where you oh, are? Yes, uh, yes I'm, um, I'm pastor here at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Fowler, Michigan. Um, I have been pastor here since 1988, so th my 30, 33 years uh, this year. Um, it's part of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod which is actually an extremely conservative and pro-life denomination. <laughs> There's different, I have to say that because <laughs> uh, there are different uh, with uh, the word Lutheran in it. So, but, um, uh, so it, I'm very happy to be part of this denomination because of our stand on life issues. But here at the church, I, it has been a tremendous blessing. It's smaller, uh, more rural ministry. Um, we have approximately... 130 members, uh, but just a wonderful congregation that has been so supportive of all the extra time and uh, uh, needs that I've had to, to put into pro-life work as well. They have been behind me 100%. Yeah, I, I joked the other day that uh, the only way to be Lutheran is to be severely Lutheran. So uh... <laughs> Exactly. I think that describes it. I'm okay. severely Lutheran here. So. <laughs> good natured, severe in a good natured sort of way. That's what we mean. Exactly. So right. obviously lovingly reaching out with the gospel of the forgiveness of sins, but also standing firmly on God's word mm -hmm. and 
uh, on the positions of life and marriage and such. So, yeah. So uh, you have gone through two adoptions, right? Uh, we have gone through three adoptions. Oh, three. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, so our, our first two were domestic. Uh, those are our two sons. Uh, uh, Alexander, amazingly enough, our older son, uh, came to us immediately after I was ordained into the ministry, 1988. We were on uh, a waiting list throughout my seminary years with Lutheran Social Services in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, waiting, waiting, waiting. And it was a month after I came here to St. Paul Fowler and, and uh, started my ministry here that we got the call that they had a baby. And we drove down to Fort Wayne. We we literally uh, got Alexander at four days old, uh, which was amazing, and uh, and came back here to Fowler with a baby in arms, and the congregation <laughs> had a big sign, welcome baby Alexander, and uh, it was a very exciting time. Um, the second, uh, our second son, Thaddeus, we waited for again, had to get on the list, wait for a long process. Um, but finally, we were so blessed to receive Thaddeus um, from, uh, he was in foster care at that time, and he was approximately three months old. Uh, and that has been such a wonderful blessing as well. And then we really wanted to at least be able to have another child if possible. And we went through Bethany at that time and, and thought it would be uh, uh, really neat to have an international adoption. So we got our dear daughter, Abigail from South Korea. Uh, at about four and a half months old. Um, and that was just a day we'll never forget as we waited at Detroit Metropolitan Airport for the plane to arrive. And there were about seven families there waiting for seven babies and we were one of them, so. <laughs> well, that must've been an interesting flight over with the, if there were other passengers on there, you know, a flight with seven babies on it. <laughs> I know, that's what I thought too. <laughs> um, so, you know, a, a lot of people who support abortion will say, well, if we ban abortion, what are we going to do with all the babies? And they often talk about, you know, adoption, say there's all these kids waiting for adoption, but there's just that lack of understanding of people that most of the kids in the foster care system are not adoptable because they have reunification with families as their main goal. And the flip side, the, the waiting list for infant adoptions is is long. And some people, I imagine they spend months and months or even years waiting and it may never happen for them. And there's just all these, there are all these parents willing to take all these kids, you know, if we had the opportunity, but we don't exactly. always have those. Exactly. Yeah. And that is, that is absolutely true. And there, it's just, it's so heartbreaking at times to just see the layers of red tape and things you have to go through sometimes when you so want a child. And of course there have to be certain procedures and I understand that completely, but, but obviously the, uh, I believe we need to do more to make that adoption process easier for parents uh, and streamline it some so that these children can be placed into loving mm -hmm. homes. Definitely. So uh, you're part of Lutherans for Life. Do you wanna explain what that is to people who aren't very familiar with it? Yes, Lutherans for Life is our, um, it's an organization basically, uh, as it says, uh, for Lutherans to, to band together for the cause of life. Um, it is a, um, it's a national organization as far as our entire Missouri Synod. Uh, we have many uh, churches uh, that are part of that. Uh, however, I, we, we divide it into federations. 
And uh, so we're the Michigan Federation of, of Lutherans for Life, just like you have, you know, obviously Right to Life in Michigan. There's, so I'm president of Lutherans for Life in Michigan, so of this particular federation. Um, it, basically, our mission statement is to witness to the sanctity of human life through education based on the word of God. So our, our main, the main thrust of Lutherans for Life is definitely reaching out with, um, to educate the people in our, in our congregations and communities. Um, we produce a lot of materials, videos, tracks, various things. Um, we, so again, the main thrust is education. We're not, the, as Lutherans for Life, because of our uh, status and everything, we're not involved in the political sphere, but we certainly, <laughs> We encourage people, they, we live in both kingdoms, the kingdom of, uh, of, of the, the church as far as uh, the kingdom of grace, but also the kingdom of, of, the, um, of living as a citizen of mm -hmm. the United States. And we encourage our people as pro-life, as the more they learn about it, to be very active on knowing positions of people and being able to uh, take that opportunity to vote appropriately as well. Mm -hmm. Now... I confess, I'm not sure. Um, so the the other main, I guess you want to call it conservatives, uh, denomination synod in terms of Lutheran is the uh, Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. I hope I got their acronym right, Wells. Yeah. Do they well, have any similar pro-life uh, organization going? They do, and they they have their they have their own branch of a very similar type thing. Uh, okay. Wells for life. Yep. And that's why, so we tend to have, we don't tend to have Wisconsin Synod congregations um, in our, uh, in Lutherans for Life, simply because they do have their own group in that. Okay. So, but we are united, we're very close as far as um, our understanding and, and uh, the relationship we have with them uh, as compared to <laughs> other more <laughs> denominations that have totally lost uh, any <laughs> emphasis on life to say the least. <laughs> so yeah, to be kind. Right. Well, let's let's dig into that a little bit more. Okay. Um, maybe a little uncomfortable, but we won't name names of certain denominations or their four letter acronym. But if, if you were, say, a Lutheran in a church uh, with the, in a certain denomination that wasn't as committed to, you know, life, what would be some of your you know, advice to a person other than, you know, maybe, you know, leave the denomination? But what would be your kind of advice to someone to get? your church more engaged or even, you know, uh, a Missouri Synod uh, Lutheran church that isn't really doing a lot. What would be your advice to that person to get the church more active? Ah, uh, yes. Now we're at the cutting edge of things here. And this is probably my biggest challenge is as president of Lutherans for Life of Michigan, because one of the things that I do is try to be in touch with most of our, our own congregations, even of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And the ones that are less active, I am. That's one of my main goals: is trying to get them to to move out more, in and to take a stand on these things and be more vocal on them. Um, so it is frustrating at times, uh, even within our own synod. There are certain uh, pastors and or pastors and congregations that um, acknowledge lip service, perhaps, to being pro life or in agreement with the synod, but somehow always separate that from not wanting to address it in the pulpit, not wanting to, to really bring it out in the church as though somehow that is not the gospel, that they're called to preach the gospel, mm -hmm. but not talk about issues. I could not disagree more. Um, the, the church of God, of all things, shall we be muzzled 
shall we be silent as, as this Holocaust of abortion continues? We cannot stand in the background um, and, 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 and continue to allow this, this to happen. Uh, we are the voice uh, of all voices. We are the voice of, of the Lord of life. Who, who has charged us with the responsibility. I mean, this is, this is, is the very essence of the gospel. Uh, you think of baby Jesus in the womb uh, um, and then John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth leaping for joy at the, uh, knowing that the savior of the world was near. You know, that, that beautiful testimony right there to, to the unborn baby. This, this is just, I, I, it is fundamental. So it's very frustrating at times but it's something we have to continue to do to try to encourage our congregations and pastors. Uh, I must say, I'm very optimistic. It seems like a lot of our younger pastors coming right now out of our seminaries, at least in the Missouri Synod, are very pro-life and, and have been much more really wanting to immediately go to their congregations they get called to and start a Lutherans for Life group or get involved in life ministries. And, and part of my duty and the, and the duty of our other board members in Lutherans for Life in Michigan is to help them, of course, in getting these groups started. Uh, I do want to say, though, I sort of um, aimed that more at our own synod. Your question, if, if we're talking about some other churches, right. that they have reached a point where there's almost no possibility. Um, I, I don't want to say no possibility, but it's almost amazingly hard to have any pro-life position in certain synods and, and groups, I, I, there is a point that you have to leave a sinking ship. And I, so I would say to those Christians, look carefully um, at the stand of your church. And if this fundamental issue of life, if that's not sacred, God's own gift of life, then it might be time to be looking around a little more. Mm. Um. It's interesting you mentioned that the the younger pastors tend to be more vocal about it. I think I've just personally I've seen that in some Catholic churches and some other uh, Protestant denominations. Um, why do you think that is? I think I think as the culture has gone more and more radically veering off in a pro death direction in so many ways, and uh, I, I think. It, perhaps more people are awakening to this um, and, and pushing back a little more. I also think, I know in our own denomination, one of the real efforts Lutherans for Life has made is we go into our seminaries. Our, um, our director uh, of Lutherans for Life on the national level is Pastor Michael Salamink, who does a wonderful, wonderful job. And one of the things he does, he goes to the seminaries they have a student body meeting where they meet with him and he addresses them specifically before they go out and ordained as pastors and go into their congregations. He talks about life ministries. And, uh, and, and, and I think that too is a, just a really valuable way of, of getting at them right when they're, they're ready to leave the seminary. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that's a key, you know, and some denominations have seminaries where it's very formal training some it's more informal, but it, I mean, it's just like catching college students, you know, where their worldview is formed. I imagine, you know, in seminaries, your theology and your training has a lot of impact on you. If, if, you're, if you're not catching those people at those critical points, 
that right. it seems to be that that vacuum is going to be filled by bad stuff. Exactly, exactly. And, and that is an age and a level where you do need to reach the people. That's why I applaud organizations, even like Turning Point and various ones that really try to uh, uh, reach out on college campuses and that for, for the more conservative causes and, uh, uh, you know, for, for the social issues, especially. So you've been involved with uh, Right to Life of Michigan and our many adventures for for decades now. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if you have any bloopers, no, uh, any 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 interesting stories or, or impactful stories of just the work over so many years that I mean, it's preceded my time here with the organization. It's uh, yeah, it has been a number of years, which uh, I'm sure. People in my congregation like to joke about, you know, um, my, my <laughs> little bit of age uh, jokes here, mm -hmm. but but it's been a, it it's been really actually it doesn't even seem possible it could be as long as it is, but it's been a real blessing working with Right to Life in Michigan, in so many ways. I've I've enjoyed all the speaking opportunities, uh, at the various conferences and and banquets mm -hmm. and such, uh, being part of several of the petition drives. Uh, and the experience with that, um, just the, the the different angles and, and and looking at everything from from you know all the work that Right to Life does. I I applaud Right to Life Michigan. I just think uh, again we just have uh, it, it's been just a wonderful um, solid organization and with Barb Listing's leadership and um, been friends with Ed Rivet over the years and it's just. It's been a journey and it's a continuing one. And it's just, there's nothing like it to work side by side with so many wonderful people uh, that come from all these backgrounds and denominations and everything. And we all come together for this cause of life. And there's a, there's that camaraderie and a feeling when you go to a banquet or a conference with right to life that you almost get nowhere else. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's pretty awesome actually. Yeah. It's, you know, when we do anything big, as terms of rights like Michigan, like a big piece of legislation or a petition drive or whatnot, you know, we're, we consult with other groups in the state that are not necessarily pro-life organizations per se, but have a pro-life stance or active on the issue and including, uh, you know, UPaul, Lutherans for Life, churches and other groups. And it, it is a wide group of people. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, kind of, you know, 50, say 50 years ago, some of these groups would not be so happy to be in a room together talking about a controversial issue. But now here we are kind of almost embattled in a room, in a foxhole together, you know, surrounded by a very hostile uh, environment, like you mentioned, of a culture of death. Yes. Yeah. Hostile is the word. And I think as we've seen that happen and we, we see the, uh, the, the, the joining together of the forces against the pro-life movement and that hostility toward life and, uh, and others and, and, and any sacred thing at all of, of God, uh, the freedom of religion and speech and marriage and all these things, but it has brought us together. We, we can have our various doctrinal differences so that we maybe worship differently or in our, and we hold to our own confessions, but we are able to say, hey, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord that have to come together on an issue here that is threatening our entire nation, uh, undermining the very 
um, uh, you know, when you undermine the sanctity of life itself, it's hard to talk about any of the other many issues that might face us as a nation. If you don't have the basic respect for life in the first place, and if, and if a child is denied, denied life, I mean, you know, you can talk all you want about various uh, um, economic things uh, later on and, and how, how to help people and everything. But if, if that person is denied personhood, is denied the right to life from the very foundation, then that is, that, that's the essence of hopelessness right there. That's what we're facing. So to see us come together and realize this is something, an issue that just we can work together on uh, it, it doesn't compromise our perhaps doctrinal differences in other areas because we're working together for the cause of life as and we're and respectfully understanding that we are all, as I say, um, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. So uh, not, I'm not making an old joke, but you, you've been involved in decades. So you've seen successes of the pro-life movement you've seen failures you've seen abortions you know decreasing you've seen you know the culture change and other issues like assisted suicide and whatnot crop up what would do you feel optimistic about our near and long-term future are you you know pessimistic for one of them um and maybe what are some opportunities you see around us that we don't always think about too much i I, in general, I have always, when it comes to pro-life, held on to optimism, uh, even during some of the rougher times, because I, I, that's how things go, a battle. I mean, look at, the, uh, look at what the nation had to go through to, to, to finally realize the evil of slavery. Um, and to, it's the long haul. It, it's any, any issue worth fighting for is something you have to stay in. So, of course, we get, you know, at times we get down by certain things. We lose a particular battle, uh, maybe a particular petition drive, uh, as we recently know, um, and things like that. And uh, yeah, that it wears on us. But I guess probably if there's one thrust that I speak on more than anything as a pastor when I speak at a banquet or a conference for Right to Life, it's, it's to speak as an encourager, to say, you know, we can do this, stay in the fight, we have the, the Lord is the Lord of life. Uh, we have no reason to, to, to be pessimistic here. I mean, God is still in his heaven. He has charged us with this. We're going to do what we need to do to speak forth the truth. Um, and, and so I, most of the, you know, instead of there's a, you know, I'm not a speaker that goes into the more, you know, detailed statistical stuff and things like that. There's people that do that far better than me. Um, but I just try to preach as a pastor and speak as a pastor and in a way to encourage uh, people to, to continue to stand up for the, the rights of the unborn and the, uh, the handicapped and the sick and the elderly and the dying, uh, all of these issues. And you know, as, as we're seeing this culture gets worse and worse right now, and after being through this entire COVID thing and all the shutdowns, all the various things that happened there, people have been... I mean, this is really taking a toll on people, but one of the things too is we have to keep this issue before people because for, you know, for a long time now, the main word's been COVID, COVID, COVID and the economy and various things. How do we get back to normal? And sometimes people, even pro-life people sort of let, let these life issues go a little more on the you know, peripheral there uh, mm -hmm. on the edges. So I think, I think one of the main tasks is 
keep people focused on what's happening with the pro-life movement. And I try to do that with our church, with our uh, district and various things is just uh, in writing. I write um, columns for our state newsletter, Lifelines of Michigan for Lutherans for Life of Michigan mm-hmm. um, and send things into the Michigan district of the Missouri Synod. They'll put it in their e-news to pastors. Um, it's just a way of saying, hey, this is still here. We need to stay in the fight. Don't let, you know, there's a lot happening in there to take your attention away from things, but we need to keep focus on this as well. Okay, and anything else you wanted me to ask you uh, or should we wrap it up? I think we're good time-wise right now, but if there's a burning question, I can ask you it. (laughs) No, I honestly think uh, I would just, you know, say again that I I think this is simply the most significant moral and ethical issue of our time. I say that fairly regularly, but it is. Um, I, I think it's wonderful. Again, the work the Right to Life of Michigan is doing. Uh, I'm very happy to be a liaison. We sort of call me that between Right to Life and Lutherans for Life. Uh, the fact that each Lutherans for Life board meeting, I usually report on the latest Right to Life of Michigan news and various things happening. Um, mm-hmm. I just think this is, this is of the utmost importance. We need to continue to encourage our people, uh, both in our congregations, our pastors, our future pastors, like I say, at the seminaries, we need to keep these issues uh, front and center and encourage them to join the fight. Again, it's 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 a fight, not not for something like to say, you know, oh, we don't we're, we want to just be right. No, this is life and death. This is this is something we're fighting for the the right to life, but it also for the women that are harmed by abortion. Uh, the men involved in uh, everybody is damaged by this thing called abortion. It is, it is something that is a, a, a grave evil and we cannot ignore it. And especially those of us charged with God's word, we cannot be silent. And to do so, uh, I think would put us in a, uh, in a, uh, not a very good position when we come before God's throne. All right. Pastor Paul Clark, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for all your continuing work on this issue. Well, thank you, Chris. It was very, very good talking to you today. God's blessings. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for listening to our interview with Pastor Paul Clark from St. Paul Lutheran Church in Fowler, Michigan. Join us again next Friday for a regular episode of Life Beat. I hope you have a wonderful weekend.